Oh, hello there. It's the titular Matt Stewart letting you know that I'm going to be in Sydney, Australia, and then Brisbane, Australia, doing uh, short runs of my show, Dryer Dryer. Sydney from the 8th to the 12th of May, Brisbane from the 16th to the 19th of May. Hey, but also, you might not know this, I'm doing a live Who Knew It with Matt Stewart in Sydney on the 13th of May and in Brisbane on the 14th of May. Holy moly, am I looking forward to these shows uh, please get tickets for all of these now. If you use the discount code do go on, that might work. I'm not sure, but worth a try. Really hope to see you there. Um, Sydney especially. Please come along. Brisbane also, though you're buying tickets earlier, better. Sydney lift, please. All right, I'll see you soon now. On with the show. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Who Knew It with Matt Stewart, the show where the guests write the wrong answers. I'm the titular Matt Stewart, and our first guest this week is host of the Evenings Program on ABC Radio, David Astle. Hey, Matt. Good to see you. So good to have you here. I'm pretty intimidated by your knowledge of everything, <laughs> and I've, it took me quite a long time to write this quiz. I actually Googled one of the answers. The first question I wanted to ask, what does this word mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, just on the off chance, I'm going to Google the word with David Astle, <laughs> and you'd written a blog about it. You'd written a whole like, a whole blog about the word. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> so I had to go a bit further afield. Anyhow, our second guest is host of the Benny and Sereni podcast. It's Seren Jayamana. Hello, very good to be here. Can I ask, Matt, I've been on this podcast a number of times. Have you ever felt intimidated by my, me coming on? Yeah, I nearly never ask questions about seed allergies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I have written many blogs about. So. Yeah. All right, well, the way the show works is I ask a relatively obscure trivia question and our contestants have to write a convincing fake answer. I then read their answers as well as the real one and they have to guess which one is correct. Are we ready to play? Yeah, let's do it. Here's question number one. It comes from listener Joan from Bristol. And Joan's question is, what does the Hindi term backpack mean? What does the Hindi term backpack mean? Well, B-A-K, B-A-K. You should have put my name into Google alongside this. <laughs> <laughs> While they're writing their answers, I'll explain how the scoring works. So you get one point if your fake answer is guessed by the other contestant and another point if you correctly guess the answer. And by the way, I'm also playing as the house. I've put in two of my own fake answers for each question and I get a point for each one of those that our guests choose. So each of us can score up to two points per round. Seems fair, but the probability actually favours me, the house. And the house always wins. Though if you've listened to previous episodes, you'll know that is not necessarily the case. Anyway, our questions come from our great Patreon supporters. If you want to submit a question, sign up on any level for patreon.com slash pod linked in the show notes. All right, so the answers are in. And the question is, what does the Hindi term backpack mean? The part of a person's body that is on the back of their back? That is roughly from the collarbone through to the nipples all the way down to their groin region, otherwise known as their torso. <laughs> the place in your mind you go when feeling nostalgic for your youth. 
idle chit chat or small talk the listener has no interest in, a water wheel in an irrigation channel, or a hot new dance sweeping the nation. <laughs> God, they're all tantalising. <laughs> Any, anything jumping out at you? Well, clearly that's a cry for help, someone thinking back and then the back at the back. <laughs> that seems like, I, I mean, if that is the real answer, that is a piece of brilliant subterfuge. <laughs> yeah. Because it sounds completely phony. It's a wonderfully rich language, Hindi. Yeah. Yeah, they have terms for every sort of thing. I, I have a feeling it could be the um, the idle chit-chat. Idle chit-chat? Which is of no interest to the listener. Okay. Because it's sort of reminiscent of this podcast. And it has a little bit of onomatopoeia to it. You know, we say murmur, which has the same repetition element oh. to it, and hubbub again. It's, oh, yeah, hubbub. Yeah. Hubbub, back, back, murmur. Well, whoever did that is ingenious. But that could be the right answer. But let's not forget there is that, you know, absolutely red-hot dance sweeping in <laughs> And in between there's a water wheel and there was one more, wasn't there? Uh, the place you go on your mind when yeah. feeling nostalgic. Oh, yeah, back, back. back, back. Yeah, going back, going back, back. back. You, sometimes you just go back and it, it doesn't, you're not quite at the nostalgic place. No. Yeah. So, so you, you go keep back, going back. And then you go further back. Back, 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 which is... <laughs> Nice. You're just sort of in a womb then. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to go back. much further back. No. No, you don't want to. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to lock in the dance that's sweeping you, the nation. You're changing your answer from idle chit-chat to the dance? Well, that was just an opportunity to make a joke about this podcast. <laughs> mm. okay. So I'm, I'm happy to lock in the idle chit-chat. I'm guessing if there's a nostalgia. No, sorry, sorry. To care. Yeah, the, the dance. Okay. Dance, dance, dance. Sorry. I'm thinking if there was a nostalgic chicken, that would be a bit of bok bok back back. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to ignore that uh, state of the mind. I, I'm going to go for the idle chit chat. I think Ooh. that's talking to me. I'll lock that in for Dave. Well, let's go through who wrote these answers. Uh, the part of the person's back that is on the back of their back, that was written by Saran Jaimana. <laughs> Sorry, Saran. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the problem with this show. You never know who you're having a go at. If you, <laughs> well, It's mostly me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or it's potentially the listeners as well because the listeners will write some of the house if they're listening, they understand that it is. this is all just back-back anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, let's hope so. <laughs> Uh, the place in your mind you go when feeling nostalgic for youth, that was the house. A water wheel in an irrigation channel, that was David Astle. Yeah, come on, Serena, you could have gone for that. I knew that was you as soon as you mentioned it. Because <laughs> you were listing them all and I was like, I didn't even remember that one. <laughs> but that you knew it. You uh, yeah. Foiled again. <laughs> uh, the hot new dance sweeping the nation was also the house. So a point oh, for the house there. Okay. David, the ha- I'm playing as well as the house, so I, I can get points too. Okay. Uh, Many of the correct answer is idle chit chat or oh. small talk. Oh, you talk has no interest in. Jumped off it, yeah. So that means one point for David, one point for the house. That is a little concerning, Matt. That that's come from a listener. <laughs> they really want you to know what back back is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's a subtle hint? <laughs> Why are they listening there? <laughs> Just to taunt me. Fair enough. All right. Well, that brings us up to question number two. This one comes from David Malofsky in London Town Baby, as David (laughs) writes it. Uh, And David's question is, as seen in the infamous Star Wars holiday special, what is the full name of Chewbacca's father? (laughs) Chewbacca, back, 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 back. I did not intend that at all. (laughs) Chewbacca, back. Uh, Are you a Star Wars fan, David? No. So I might be caught out here. Or this could be, you know, an advantage. 
Yeah, I think. Well, I, I think this is obscure even for for Star Wars mm-hmm. fans. Okay. What about you, sir? Are you a Star Wars fan? I'm familiar with the uh, original. Uh, anything that's canon. No, <laughs> no, I don't know too much. I, I remember the big the movies, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm not this one was this into the. They hate like George Lucas basically has disowned this one. Oh really? Yeah, it yeah. was. I've I watched it's not it, canon? Uh, for a do go on episode last year, our live Christmas one. I did the report on this it. particular this yeah. movie, and it was like it was just uh, Chewbacca style grunts with Chewbacca's family <laughs> for the first fifteen minutes. Oh my god! It was it was quite bizarre. I started feeling like I was losing my mind. So they don't know his dad's name either. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but also this is slightly unfair because Seren, you've appeared in a, a Marvel film, haven't you? Yeah, which is kind of true. Star Wars adjacent. Yeah, well, they're yeah. both Disney owned, aren't they? You know? And that's how you get to appear in a Marvel film is <laughs> being able to list all of the characters. You don't even audition; you just go, "I know all of the characters. These are the names." Sit a little test. Okay. Uh, so while you're writing your answers, here's a little bit more information on Backpack, according to Matador Network. This is used when the listener has no interest in what the other person or group is chatting about. The slang backpack is used to describe this interaction. They've given a, a helpful example here. Those boys and girls are doing too much backpack at that table. Let's head to another bar. So I think that, um, <laughs> that puts it in terms I can understand. All right, the answers are in. Here is question number two. As seen in the infamous Star Wars holiday special, what is the full name of Chewbacca's father? Truth Vaderick? Added Chitkuk, Zuchetto, Munchbacker, or Fuzzy Lumberer? <laughs> oh my God. One of, them, one of them is right. One of them's right. <laughs> yeah, I might need you to read through them again. Yeah. Tooth Vaderick, Added Chitkuk, Zuchetto, Munchbacker, or Fuzzy Lumberer? Ooh. <laughs> Fuzzy Lumberer. It sounds like a, yeah, a roller derby team. <laughs> yeah. I guess it could make sense if, if Backer is like the that's the family name, right? Yeah, yeah. sort of go keep that. It could be the uh, surname. So yeah. maybe his real name's Chew. Yeah, yeah. So it is get called. It gets called Chewy a bit, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, Chewy on your boot. So that would make sense if it was like Munch Backer would be. So the family name's Backer, and then the the Munch. Mm. Could just be a running theme. Munch Backer, Chew, my, uh, Chew think, Munch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, and they like. Because a lot of them are pretty silly wordplay. One of the questions from a while ago was about George Lucas's character, and it was something like director, not, right? It was something like not Lucasario or something like. <laughs> oh. It was just sort of like, yeah, like so he's in it. It's real George first Lucas. draft stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. He's actually Chewbacca in the first. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, it's amazing he was able to write the film <laughs> with that <laughs> command of language. <laughs> All righty, gosh. Uh, they're all very onomatopoeic too. I feel mm. like they, they sound like a sort of tennis ball stuck in a spin dryer. <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, it's real. It's totally just having a stab at this point. Mm. <sighs> okay. Chappaquiddick, so. that one. <laughs> Chappaquiddick. I don't know which one that could be referred to. That sounds like half of them. Number two, the second one, Itchy Pucker. Add a chitcuck. Yeah, add a chitcuck. Okay. Welcome that in for Seren. What do you think, David? You can go the same or you can go your own way. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the one that sounds the most different. 
And the other ones seem as though they're all just stemming out of Chewbacca, except for that little Zucchetto or whatever. Which sounds uh, like Zucchetto, yeah. That sounds like an Italian dessert. It does. It sounds delicious. <laughs> so I might go for out a chick cut too. Yeah, I was really hoping there'd be like a Chewbacca senior or something. <laughs> Papa. Uh, all right, let's go through who wrote the answers. Truth Vaderick was written by David. Okay, The House. Uh, Zucchetto was written by David. And I like how you were still... You're just playing it all the way to the end. <laughs> I love it when you play beyond. Seren's already locked in his answer. Well, Zuccetto, that's an interesting one. I was trying to get him to uh, yeah. switch allegiance. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's done it already. He's got form. <laughs> uh, Munchbacker was Seren, and he uh, did the exact same. He did. Bucker, oh, that could be the surname. <laughs> yeah. I can read you. <laughs> Fuzzy Lumberer, that was the house, uh, meaning the correct answer was Adichitka. Can you both get a point there? Wow. Well played. Impressive. So that means after two rounds, the scores are the house on one point, Serena one point, but out in front, it's David on two points. Mm, pressure. And I, I just had a look. The um, George Lucas character was nothing like what I said. <laughs> Lucas Ario? It, it was uh, Baron Papanoida. Oh, yeah. That's the first draft, definitely. He's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. That takes us to question number three, which comes from Michael Nielsen. From Signet in Tasmania. Is it Signet? Mm, yes. It is, yeah. Beautiful and, spot. And Michael's question is, which of these is a real species of bird? So you've just got to come up mm. with a, a made-up species of bird. And uh, while you're writing your answers, I'll let the listeners know a little bit more about Adichitkuk. According to David, in the holiday special, Adichitkuk is known as Itchy, but this has since been retconned as a nickname. Also, Itchy is best known for being a bit of a hornbag. Uh, in the special, Itchy uses a fantasy virtual reality machine. His fantasy is singer Diane Carroll telling him he's adorable over and over and saying stuff like, I am your pleasure. Experience me. Then she sings a song. One of the show's producers, Mitzi Welch, says the scene was intended to be a softcore porno that would pass the senses. I think it only ever got played once and then uh, they buried it, but you can you can find it on YouTube. The answers are in. Here's question number three. Which of these is a real species of bird? Flightless Piptic, <laughs> Rhyneck Wanderer, Glassy-Eyed Finch, Guyanan Cock of the Rock, or Winged Rat Badger? Oh, my God. <laughs> I was just waiting for a bird to come in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely budgerigo. What was the rest? <laughs> what the hell? So there's a genuine bird in there. There's the a genuine bird in there. Yeah, okay, well. Can I, one more time. Flightless Pipdick, Rhineck Wanderer, Glassy-Eyed Finch, Guyanan Cock of the Rock, or Winged Rat Badger. <coughs> I think if a, if a Pipdick would definitely be able to fly. That's what I'm yeah. having difficulty pip with Pipdick sounds quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the and only it's thing. It's not being weighed down or anything. <laughs> so I think it couldn't be number one. Cock on the rock. Cock of the rock. Cock, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that changes. Sounds it. like a franchise, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's the guy who knows Cock of the Rock. Don't yeah. be confused by imitations. True. Yeah, like the Wiggles. Every country's got their own one. <laughs> I think Cock of the Rock, I follow Dwayne Johnson on OnlyFans. And I've <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, okay. So then in the middle. Glassy-eyed finch. Glassy-eyed finch, yes. Uh, Rhinic wanderer. And then the winged rat badger. And then the- I kind of like that, the winged rat badger. A winged rat badger? Like it so much you're locking it in? No, but I just like it as an idea. I have to say, 
every bird has got wings. So yeah. why the hell? It's a bit like saying a winged kookaburra. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that what they're, they're demonstrating is that it looks like a rat badger. With wings. Oh, because oh. you wouldn't think many rat badgers would have No, wings. no, 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 no. And <laughs> not many rat badgers would be birds. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. That is your a good point. Really also, not many issue. badgers would be rats and not many rats would be badgers. So <laughs> yeah. it is very confusing. <laughs> God. Nature is mysterious and wonderful. <laughs> it's yeah. beautiful. But uh, humankind yeah. is devious. If they came up for a genuine name of a bird in that kind of motley flock, um, that's a worry. <laughs> Do you have any ideas, David? <sighs> I've never been to Guyana, and um, I don't know how rocky it is. It sounds like a nickname, the Guyanese Cock of the Rock. It does sound like a nickname. Oh, I'm going to go with it, though. Go with it? Yeah. Locking that in for David. Yeah, I feel like from watching Attenborough, those uh, real, like, birds of paradise, they often do have titles like that. Yep. So I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. Guyanese Cock of the mm. Rock. You're going in as well? Yeah. Okay. I reckon that whoever sent the question in would be like, oh, cock of the rock, that's a great angle. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's one angle that you can try and get to the bottom of it when you go, which one of these would someone have seen in, in Although, I mean, there is also the glassy-eyed finch. Because oh. a finch is definitely a bird. Definitely. And there's heaps of them. I know there's zebra finches and there's- Yeah. Uh, Kookaburras are finches, aren't they? Oh no, no, they're no, kingfishers. King king Apologies, sorry. No, so, I don't, you are. A, are you an ornithologist type? Twitcher. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was a visual gag. <laughs> no, I'm, well, I love my birds, but I've never heard of any of those. Yeah, including a glass-eyed finch. So, well done for that. If that's true. <laughs> All right, so both locking in. Yeah, cock of the rock. Cock of the rock. All right, let's go through who wrote the answers. Uh, the flightless piptic was written by Michael, okay, the house. The Rhineck Wanderer was David. Mm-hmm. The Glassy-Eyed Finch was Seren. Jeez, you were keen on that one, weren't you? The Winged Rat Badger was the house, meaning the correct answer is the Guyanan Cock of the Rock. Wow. So points there to David and Seren again. You're on fire, David. David has not missed. You've well, not missed. It's, it's, can we clarify, is that a, a rooster or what is the Cock of the Rock? Oh, can I I mean. Can you check it out? Yeah, it's amazing looking. Yeah. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. Isn't that incredible? It deserves a better name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's also, that's not a rock. <laughs> but when I was talking about David Attenborough, that's the exact bird I had in my mind. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, listeners really should look it up. It's just quite a stunning colour, orange, and it's orange everywhere. Even its eyes are orange. Um, but it's got this, I don't know what you'd call it, but this sort of semi it looks like a, a slice of orange is stuck oh, on its head. It's a jaffer and drag. It's, <laughs> it's an amazing bird. Beautiful. <coughs> uh so, yeah, Guyana and Cock of the Rock. But I believe it, it gets its name because, um, oh, I'll, I'll tell you, the Guyana and Cock of the Rock is so-called, this is according to Michael, as it is native to the Guyana countries north of Brazil and its nesting site of choice is rocky outcrops amidst uh-huh. the rainforest. Maybe it has a, a little bit of a rooster crow or some strange crow as well, some call. Right. Um it says the male birds are very striking with orange plumage, mm-hmm. beak, skin, irises and crest. And, um, yeah, Michael says if you get a chance, it's worth looking up. And we've done that. Yeah, Great tip, Michael. Michael. Good question. Uh, so we're up to question four now. This one comes from Greg from Melbourne. And the question is, Tism's band members use pseudonyms like Humphrey B. Flaubert, Ron Hitler Barassi and Eugene De La Hot Croy Bunn. What is the pseudonym of their newest member? And while you're writing your answers, we'll go for a quick break. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right. Well, the answers are in for question four. Uh, Tism band members use pseudonyms like Humphrey B. Fulbert, Ron Hitler Barassi, and Eugene De La Hot Croy Bunn. What is the pseudonym of their latest member? Tracy Grim Reapshaw, <laughs> Ford Laser Vitovic, Vladimir Lennon McCartney, <laughs> Smack My Botticelli, or Pablo Escobar and Grill. <laughs> they are superb. All of them, they deserve to be members. <laughs> uh, could you give it another run through, Matt? Uh, Tracy Grim Reapshaw, Ford Laser Vitovic, Vladimir Lennon McCartney, Smack My Botticelli, or Pablo Escobar and Grill? Mm. <coughs> I reckon smack my Botticelli. Right, locking that in for Saran. I reckon a little bit of gender uh, balance. I'm going to go for Tracy Grimshaw Reaper. Great. Tracy. Or Tracy Grim Reaper Shaw. Yes. Locking that in for David. All right, let's go through who wrote the answers. Uh, Pablo Escobar and Grill, that was the house. That was my favourite. That was great. As was Ford Laser Vitovic. I don't know if does that I don't think that reference is gonna play for many people. Certainly not outside of Melbourne, but he was a like a Saints Ruckman in the nineties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wrote that? Yeah. yeah. He, and he went he went on to to be a car salesman, so it works on oh, that's at beautiful. least two levels. Yeah. <laughs> Seized a bit of your DNA in that one. Yeah. Uh Tracy Grim Reapshaw, which David went for. That was written by Saran. Ah, Saran, I feel for yours. Fine. Nice work. And Smack My Botticelli, which Saran went for. David wrote. <laughs> <laughs> which is fantastic. I mean, the correct answer is Vladimir Lennon McCartney. Oh, it's a good, it's a very good name. So that means one point to Dave, one point to Saran. David keeps his run-up of a point in every round so far, meaning the scores are now the house on one point, Saran on three points, but out in front just on four points, it's mm. David Astle. I like having David here because it, the house usually dominates. Yeah. But David's, like, rattling along. I mean, I don't normally dominate. You're giving David the wrong impression here. Oh. I'm very wary very of, of, of inviting people onto a game that I win all the time. You ever, so you ever been to the crown, David? <laughs> Better <laughs> yeah. odds at the crown. Yeah, I wish there was, a, you know, the dictionary game but uh, <laughs> right there at Star City. I'd be up for that. But I, um, no, <laughs> I, 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 I lose more than I win, I promise you. Uh, anyway, we're up to question number five. This one comes from Francis from Victoria. Who wrote the question? Francis Ford Laser <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, Francis Ford Laser Vidic's question is, serial Guinness World Record breaker David Rush earned his 250th record in October of 2022. What was the record for? Mm-hmm. Broken 250 world records. What was the, the big 250th? And, uh, yeah, while you're writing your answers, here's some more info about the new Tism guitarist. According to their fandom page, Wankopedia, Vladimir Lennon-McCartney is the current guitarist of TISM, having joined the band for their reunion in June 2022, filling in the shoes of the late Token Blackman. His pseudonym is derived from the Russian politician Vladimir Lennon and the Lennon-McCartney songwriting partnership of the Beatles. Appreciate that, that explanation. 
All right. The answers are in. So here is question number five. Serial Guinness World Record breaker David Rush earned his 250th record in October of 2022. What was the record for? He ate 500 cans of baked beans in two hours. <laughs> uh, furthest distance to blow a pee. <laughs> Longest paperclip chain made in one hour. 2.4 Ks. First person to inflate 13 balloons using nothing but his own farts. Or wore a top hat nonstop for 72 days, meaning he had to sleep sitting up. <laughs> so, I mean, all of those worthy, yeah. worthy of the 250th. But the guy from um, the Monopoly game would have beaten that one, actually. Yeah, he's lived his whole life yeah. with that. I mean, he's lived in that. What's his name? Something, money bags or something? Money bags, yeah. yeah. Kind of money bags. I reckon he strikes me as the kind of guy who likes to sleep leg down. Yeah, he's a real. He's a luxurious. Pampered yeah. Yeah. Maybe someone blew a pee under his mattress though, and <laughs> he could never <laughs> Maybe. get a comfortable. But I'm sleep. wondering if the same record involved eating the baked bean cans to blow up those balloons. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I mean, one would have actually, you know, fed into. Well, he could have got the, the baked two hundred forty ninth. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah the yeah. two forty ninth <laughs> and then the two fiftieth. Did a back to back. He was on a run. <laughs> I'm surprised most world records. Maybe that's how he blew the pace. Well. <laughs> <laughs> 248, 249, 250. Yeah, that's right. It was a trifecta. <laughs> a victorious uh, week for David Rush. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Now, so I'm playing this game and it's like uh, I'm part of the, the Spanish Inquisition because I'm trying to work out, quite separate from what David Rush's accomplishments are, how does Seren think? Mm. What is Seren looking at in the room yeah, that he's right. incorporating into an answer? Now, maybe he's been trying to pass win for the past mm. you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> he doesn't strike me as a bloke who even thinks about cans, baked beans, but that could be the, you know, the curveball. It's this game of counter-psychology, which gets me in a knot. Yes, the game within a game. Yeah. It's almost like David could tell that the glassy-eyed Finch was because I was <laughs> sipping a very on a glass. glass <laughs> I have to admit. <laughs> okay, so we've got... Um, got the baked beans, yeah. uh, blowing the pea, mm. longest paperclip chain, uh, inflating the balloons, or wearing a top hat. Okay. Was that 13 balloons from, the, from his 13 balloons. gastric energy? First person to do it. Yeah. I mean, I mean just getting the, the right connection I think would be tricky. And yeah. what constitutes an inflated balloon too? Oh, very good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does it have to be to full capacity? Yeah. I mean, I, I would have, I'd hope so. Guinness. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they would have a Guinness, they would have had a Guinness person there. Yeah. Maybe measuring the circumference. It would also imply that someone previously had done 12. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, no, maybe. Maybe he was just on a, you know. Or seven on, or something. On, on and he, he just he kept thought, going. You yeah. know, I can keep doing this. <laughs> the, I'm also thinking that if he's already, you know, clocked up, what is it, 200 records? Did yeah, 249. 249. So this is the 250th. So this is a guy who may not have a whole lot of energy left. You know, mm. you can't keep giving. Yeah. So blowing a pee and suddenly being the guy who can blow the pee the longest. That's uh, right. And also, that puff. he's the kind of guy I'd probably want to be sleeping lying down. Yeah. Oh. No, but sure. I, re I reckon he, that's the kind of record you'd pick for 250 because you'd like running out running out of ideas. Mm -hmm. I feel like these are all running out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, ideas. they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Don't you remember? <laughs> some fart. of these are first, first choice for you. Yeah, farts fart would be high. Yeah. I'd go one baked beans, two yes. farts, that's 250 peas. You don't want to do it in reverse. No. You made a big blue there. Okay, so I, I like the top hat. You like the top hat? Yeah. 
Well, locking in the top hat for Saran. This was a lockdown record or a COVID record because you said it was in 2022. Yes, that's right. So it can't be one that you could have uh, any social engagement. So it's all kind of isolated records. And the baked beans, there was an actual tally in that in two hours. What was it? 500. Oh, that also does make sense because maybe he was a hoarder at the start of COVID. <laughs> yeah, he just had yeah, to get yeah. through, get clear through. up some space. That does feel like a lot of beans. It makes 13 farts seem it low. It seems, <laughs> seems like a wild amount. You could probably get 26. Ooh. The paperclip chain, uh-huh. 2.4 Ks. Is that long? For paperclip? I would think that's a long because, yeah. You know, how long is a paperclip? Maybe an inch? And he's got small. He would have to have small hands to do that. Yeah. Like knitting them together. Yeah. But you, you see people who can do the Rubik's Cubes and stuff, yeah. they, they move their hands quicker than I think should be possible. I saw one recently where a guy was juggling three Rubik's Cubes while solving them. How's that possible? I don't know. Yeah. That is so you're holding them for a split second, moving them. I don't understand. Are you sure they weren't already solved? Because they're moving so fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a blur. Okay. I'll have to step forward on this one and... A guy who's very keen to get 250, would he be in a top hat for 74 days mm. and keep it on? It seems ridiculous. Seren has gone for that. Yeah, I think he. I think that feels easy to a guy who's already done 249 records. Yeah, that's interesting. But, it, yeah, David, I guess you're saying that it's, it's quite a time-consuming one. Time-consuming one. So I'm actually going to go for the P. I think he's a big unit. I think he's got some more rushed lungs, and uh, I think he's going to blow that How P. far was it? Uh, just the furthest distance oh, ever. Okay. Mm. Uh, well, let's go through who wrote the answers. Uh, he ate 500 cans of baked beans in two hours. That was written by Francis, the question writer. Okay, the house. Uh, the longest paperclip chain made an hour, 2.4Ks. That was David. Mm-hmm. I, would, I feel like that that one feels like that something like that's been done, I reckon. Look was at David. Sadly, uh, how long is 2.4Ks? <laughs> it was sadly <laughs> neglected by Seren. You didn't give that any focus at all. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> I think I've fallen for Seren's here. First person to inflate 13 balloons using nothing but his own farts, that was Seren. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. So maybe it's a top hat. Uh, the top hat one, that was the house. Oh, uh, really? Uh, the, meaning the correct answer was furthest distance to blow a pee. Oh, David, again, I'm you on are on fire. <laughs> Have you ever had anyone that's got through every round? I don't, I don't think so. Okay, let's call up Guinness World Records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me some balloons. I, I feel like I'm on a string. <laughs> uh, so that now means the scores are a house on two, Saran on three, but building the lead on five points, it's David Astle. Mm-hmm. Uh, two questions to go. Question six comes from Harris from Address Unknown. Mm. Mysterious man, Harris. And Harris's question is, what occurred on July the 6th, 1809? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Solar eclipse. Uh, takes, that takes me back back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what occurred on July the 6th, 1809? Oh, so you think it's idle chatter? Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, surely. I mean, I should say of significance. Uh, okay. Probably quite right. a few things occurred. I reckon a day. few things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> say the date one more time, sir. Eight. July the 6th, yep. 1809. I reckon Mrs. Muir made a cup of tea for sure. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I... I I, I can't debunk it, so I'm going to have to give David the point there. <laughs> While you're writing those answers, let me tell you more about the P record. According to UPI.com, serial record breaker David Rush and his 250th Guinness World Records title when he used the breath in his lungs to blow a P a distance of 84 feet and 11.28 inches across a level floor. 
Rush, who made headlines for breaking 52 records in 52 weeks in 2021, first held the same record years earlier when he blew a P 24 feet and 7.6 inches. The record was broken at least three times in the ensuing years before Rush recaptured the title. <laughs> Would have been satisfying. So I'm, get, I'm reading that like that's in one breath. That's incredible. 84 feet. He's from Boise, Idaho. Ah, Spud country. He is, yeah. What uh, record would you be tempted to try and break, Matt? Yeah, that's tricky because I think any anything that you love, mm. doing a record, breaking a man of yeah. it would ruin it. I think it would. You know, I like having a, a nice beer, mm. but having too many of them is not fun at all. Yeah. Actually, I think there was um, there was a record for, you know, playing Scrabble nonstop. I think Scrabble's hard enough. You don't want to just – imagine just – Playing it in this bleary sort of sleep mode. Yeah, and I think you're right. We drain the drain the love. I don't think you'd want to play again. No, he wouldn't. Uh, oh, the answers are in. So here we go with our penultimate question number six. What occurred on the sixth of July, eighteen oh nine? Backgammon was invented. French troops under the order of Napoleon Bonaparte arrested the Pope. Newly inaugurated U.S. President James Madison met his Vice President George Clinton for the first time in their respective <laughs> George gen- Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah, is that that's, yeah. is that who he's named after? Is that I don't know. Which I didn't know he was ex congressman. In their respective journals, they coincidentally called each other the wrongest person for the job. Frenchman Gustave Camille became the first Frenchman to read an English novel. <laughs> An explosion occurred at a chocolate factory, briefly making the surrounding London boroughs delicious, <laughs> thus triggering the 1809 licking riot. <laughs> a bliss bomb. <laughs> uh, so you got backgammon, Pope being arrested, uh, the two presidents finding each other wrong, uh, Gustave Camille reading a book, or a chocolate explosion. Well done, Gustave. Um, I think there's some details, more details than just reading a book. Uh, The first English novel. Okay. Yeah. I don't see that as being newsworthy. You know, guy read a book, man reads book. It's something out of the onion. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, today's day and age, I think it would be newsworthy. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's newsworthy now. Probably not in 1809. Oh, that 24-hour cycle. You know, they're always searching for something, aren't they? (laughs) Okay, uh, you've got the wrongest person ever. You've got the Pope, backgammon. You've got the chocolate explosion, and then you've got man reads novel. English for, in Frenchman reading. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The that- first Frenchman mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to read an English novel. All right, I, I, I like Napoleon just busting down the Vatican gates and and putting that pontiff in shackles. Yeah, it's an That's interesting a, scenario. Like, yeah, it's a good scene. It's a wild time. Yeah. Do you know, I like it too, but I think I'm pretty sure Gustave Camille would not have been there on that day. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he was too busy reading an English novel. <laughs> he would have put his book he down. He could have been playing backgammon. <gasps> backgammon must be thousands no. of years And old. also too, as if there's a moment where backgammon's invented, like, oh, I'm going to invent backgammon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think that one might have evolved? It yeah. could have been. There could have been yeah. someone writing in their diary. Totally bogus. Just I think had we, a great yeah, idea. It would be take more than a day as well. Yeah. Wouldn't be July sixth, and Shakespeare would have played backgammon, and he, you know, that's two hundred years before then. So he also would have written an English novel. It's true, but would he have read it? 
Maybe he's not a Frenchman. <laughs> I reckon the chocolate one sounds too extreme. So I'm going to lock in arresting the Pope. Okay. That's too ex- – the, the explosion is too extreme. The reading the book, not extreme enough. Yeah. The perfect middle ground. Is arresting the Pope. Because <laughs> back then they didn't have the Pope mobile, so you yes. could get easy access. Uh, I don't know. If, if, if those dates are right, which I think they're kind of close to the Napoleon, it's a, it's a smart, smart draft, whoever came up with that, if it's not the right answer. All right. Well, let's go through who wrote the answers. Uh, backgammon being invented, that was David. Yeah. And you really turned on yourself. Yeah, yeah. I suddenly realised what, what a wrong answer that was. You know, it was the wrongest answer. I've ever. I put that in my journal tonight. Even Shakespeare would have played. <laughs> James Madison meeting George Clinton and describing each other as the wrongest person of the job uh, for the job. That was written by Harris, aka The House. Um then we had Frenchman Gustave Camille reading a book. That was Seren. Mm. <laughs> you, you went the other way. You were very defensive of your yeah. answer. <laughs> David wanted nothing to do with A lot of table talk about our answers. If, if you mention any answer, I'm not going, and, and same applies here, Seren. <laughs> uh, the explosion at the chocolate factory, that was the house, meaning the correct answer. You both were right. French troops under orders of Napoleon Bonaparte arrested the Pope. That's a good story. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I'd, I'd like to know more. I'd like to point out Napoleon could have spent his time a lot better. As a Frenchman. Yeah. He could have been reading he English been reading, He could have been blowing a pee down <laughs> the, the shop <laughs> That's the real Arc de Triomphe, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the final question, uh, which is worth triple points. Oh, yeah. Here we go. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. still anyone's game. Anyone's game. Uh, but you both got a point there, meaning the scores are now... House on two points, Saran on four points, but out in front, David on six points. It's yours to lose. Yeah. <laughs> but you could lose. I could lose. That's the beauty of the game. Anyone could get six points here. So even the house could come from the clouds. Yeah. Yeah. If you both pick a house answer. <laughs> <laughs> so here is the final question. It comes mm-hmm. from Brandy Broyhill in Greensboro, North Carolina. And... Brandy's question is, we always finish with a film synopsis question. Mm-hmm. Brandy's question is, what is the synopsis of the 1992 film The Buttercream Gang? What is the synopsis of the 1992 film The Buttercream Gang? So this will be your longest answer. Uh, okay, so not backgammon invented? Yeah, well, it's normally like a short paragraph basically. Okay. Uh, and while your answers are being written, here's some more information about the Pope arrest. According to Harris, Napoleon Bonaparte arrested Pope Pius VII as part of a long-standing feud with the Catholic Church. He'd previously arrested Pope Pius VI, who had died in captivity. But Pope Pius VII lived throughout his incarceration and returned to Rome five years later. According to History.com, despite his desire to control Europe without rival, Napoleon understood that he needed to reach an accommodation with the all-powerful Catholic Church. In long negotiations, eight years before his kidnapping, Pius VII eventually signed the Concordat of 1801, which recognised that the church was the religion of the great majority of the French people, but simultaneously limited the size of the French clergy and bound its members tightly to the French state, which would henceforth pay their salaries. The agreement strictly constrained the Pope's authority in France and approved of the revolutionary government's selling off of the Catholic Church's vast land holdings in France. Even with all the church's concessions, Napoleon still looked for ways to prove his dominance 
and his opulent coronation in Notre Dame Cathedral in 1804 provided a perfect stage to humiliate Pius VII. Pontiffs traditionally crowned the Holy Roman Emperor, but to show the Pope who was really in charge now, Napoleon took the crown from his hands and placed it on his own head. After the coronation, the church's uneasy pact with Napoleon deteriorated further as the emperor's expansionist tendencies grew. Still, Pius VII made efforts to mollify Napoleon, participating, for example, in France's continental blockade of Great Britain over the objections of his Secretary of State, Consalvi, who was forced to resign. The Pope's acquiescence would not save him, however, and then on June the 10th, 1809, Napoleon once again invaded the Papal States, arresting the Pope. All right, answers are in. So here's the final question. Everything's on the line yeah, now. This I can, is good. I can tell that you're both getting a little nervy. No, so I'm all ears. I'm just <laughs> locked into this. So the question is, what's the synopsis of the 1992 film The Buttercream Gang? A group of Amish women band together to create the tastiest buttercream when they are challenged by a neighbouring non-Amish village. If they lose, their town will have to accept the modernisation of the area including a new state-of-the-art dairy farm. But if they win, they get a year's supply of milk from the other village. While working towards their goal, the women find friendships, frustration, and even love. Mm. That's long. (laughs) (laughs) A group of junior high school nerds had organised to steal all the ice cream from the local ice cream parlour owned by the the school bully's family. They end up getting locked inside for the night. A small township meets its darkest days when a ravenous posse of youngsters begin carrying out dawn raids on the town patisseries. Known as the Buttercream Gang, the hooligans will stop at nothing. In response, a ragtag group of normally fierce competitors from the baking industry form the Crumbly Dozen, a vigilante team of pastry chefs tasked with the responsibility of bringing the Buttercream Gang to its heels. Unlike most gangs... Oh, still going. Oh, this is the next one. (laughs) All right. Sorry. So that's... Okay, the so, crumbly gang. So we've had this the the, uh, the Amish, gang. we've had the the nerds, we've had the crumbly gang. Right. The next one. Unlike most gangs, the buttercream gang is a group of do-gooders. Pete, their leader, temporarily moves to Chicago with his aunt. <laughs> While there, he falls into a bad crowd and is changed upon returning. But the remaining members of the gang, especially their new leader Scott, refuse to give up on their friend. Or finally, the buttercream gang loves to sneak on a dairy farms to steal delicious, fresh dairy products. They are getting older, though, so they commit to one last big heist. Unfortunately, something goes wrong and a comedy of errors leads to all the cows being poisoned. They need to find another species of animal to milk, and they need to find it quick. That's when one of them spots a raccoon and a new industry is born. (laughs) Tragically, one of those is right. <laughs> Honestly. 1992 is golden age <laughs> cinema. Can't believe I haven't caught this one. <laughs> even, yeah, even on the streaming services. It's uh, rare that the movie we end on is a, a classic. Yeah. <laughs> Blimey, they're so all you got the, winded. the Amish, mm-hmm. the Amish women having to save their, you know, their way of life, the, the nerds doing an ice cream, getting locked in the ice cream parlour at the bullies. Family's ice cream parlor. You got the uh, the two gangs, the buttercream gang and the crumbly dozen. Surely that would be the baker's dozen. Oh, a real missed opportunity yeah, there. Yeah, they missed that one. Uh, then you've had the Pete, the leader of the buttercream gang, the do-gooders. He went away, turned bad, came back. Then Scott was there. And Scott was there. Yeah. And they didn't give up on him. Yeah. Or uh, raccoon milking. 
<laughs> that one was almost convincing until the raccoon walked in. <laughs> Can you get raccoon milk? <laughs> I don't get camel milk, so why not raccoons? It didn't say how long the industry lasted. <laughs> it just said how the industry was born. It's. I'm trying to think about three-act structure. Mm. Yeah. I feel like the buttercream, the nerds, buttercream is more, I reckon, in, in the baking world than the ice cream world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to scratch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Amish one, oddly enough, it does feel like there's three acts in that story. Which one was that? The Amish one. Amish one. Because, you know, they find love along the way. They find yeah. friendships, frustration and, and even love. love. Yeah, yeah, and even love, which is a nice. Story. What is, I don't, I have no idea what buttercream is. So it's a baking thing, is it? I, I'm, I'm, I reckon I've only ever had buttercream ice cream. Oh, maybe mm. I'm wrong. I thought mm. buttercream was the stuff on top of like muffins. And no, well, I, I I'm not sure. The, I mean, that's what a churn is used for, isn't it? So that's why the Amish one's plausible. Because they're all, yeah, they're all, oh, there's the bakery one and then the rest are kind of dairy, aren't they? Mm. Uh, yeah, but I guess it could be both. I'm thinking like a pastry cream. Oh, yeah, right. I'm not a baker. I Maybe, should I, I should know. say that straight off the top. But you are crumbly. <laughs> <laughs> He's flaky. Yeah, it's very flaky. Um, what gets me, though, is that in that uh, patisserie synopsis, uh, if, or no, maybe it's the other one, the characters get name-checked. I mean, why the hell would you worry that, you know, it's Pete and it's Scott? Pete Who and cares? Scott. Who cares what their name is? Mm. I just find that a little bit superfluous. Yeah, that, that does stand out a bit. It is. It's funny because over the weeks there'll be ones with names and ones that aren't, oh, okay. and sometimes the real ones are the ones with names. Oh, okay. Right. So, but it, yeah, I, it used to stand out to me as mm. well. But often these are just pulled from that's where you, IMDb or whatever. I reckon yeah. that's where you're expecting Buttercream Gang to go like sequels. Yeah. So right. you're trying to build characters that people okay. have an emotional connection yeah. to. So you're either a Scott or a Pete kind of guy. And I, I, yeah, exactly. And I don't know if you know this, David, but just last weekend they released Buttercream Gang 4. Oh, okay. Yeah. I really am new to this. Return of the Cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Secret of the Cream. <laughs> oh, oh it's, this is a tricky one. Mm. I mean, I think these would all make fantastic movies. Yeah, they would. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hope Hollywood's listening. Yeah. Because I like that. that 1992 seems early for a sort of Breaking Bad type tale, the anti-hero tale. Mm. But it could be, it could have set the scene for for uh, Walter White. Yes. Yeah. 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 And maybe that's the inspiration for the name. Yeah. White. White cream. Yeah, Wonder White. Yeah. It's yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm also thinking that a gang that it does good deeds is a nice plot twist. Mm. Yes. Because yeah, when you think gang, you always think negative. Yes. And it's, you know, the, the stealing and the poisoning and all the rest of it. So that does stand out for that reason too. It's a fresh take. Mm. However, I'm going to vote first so you can bounce off mine. I'm going to go for the Amish or the Amish because I think I think Seren's right. If he came up with the three acts, that's to his credit because it is a story with three acts. And I reckon, I also reckon that is a very plausible movie. So it should be made if it hasn't already. My only question about the Amish or Amish is how you pronounce Amish. No. <laughs> My only question is if... Well, I'm farmished. <laughs> for some reason in my head I have this thing that maybe dairy is not. But you, it's machinery, isn't it? You're not meant to use. Ah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I like it too. I think... Oh, hang on. If this is the house, the house isn't going to end up winning. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. That's a great technique yeah. to throw it to. Strategic voting. Yeah. 
Uh, I'd be happy for the house to beat you, David. And yeah, so, fair <laughs> that's fair enough. No, I reckon it's the Scott Scotty Cam one, or whatever. whatever Scott and one. Pete. Yeah, Scott and Pete. All right, I'm locking that in. So that yeah, that's with the the do gooder gang. Yeah, twist. the gang gone yeah, bad. It is the gang one. leader gone bad. That's right. also got three acts in it, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, obviously. Because you know what else goes second bad? Second ad is what, the David? Chicago with the arm buttercream. <laughs> if you leave it out, it, it will go bad. It turns yeah. plot twist. All right, well, let's go through who wrote the answers. Uh, the raccoon milking industry, that was the house. Uh, Brandy wrote one that was a lot more believable. I added the rac- raccoon thing. The <laughs> Brandy's cursing your name. Because I think, you, like you said, you were, it was pretty believable to yeah. the end. Well, that was my work. That, um, <laughs> so, I thought it was too well written. And I thought that Brandy, would be unfair. What, what do you want me to do with him? <laughs> uh, then we had the small township meeting its darkest days and the crumbly dozen getting involved. That was Saran. Mm-hmm. Now, are you kicking yourself, missing the, the bacon, bacon dozen. dozen? I thought I had to – I went there and then I added oh, an extra layer. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's layer upon layer. You've got to keep it simple for the, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for the common folk. Uh, the group of high school nerds that get locked up in the ice cream parlour. That was David Astle. Yeah, I, could have, I should have come up with a third act on that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. That's all I, yeah. I, I so this film's only got two acts. I've never thought of the third act part. Yeah. Now, that's that could be a real game changer. <laughs> also, loved how Matt talked up, you know, the buttercream, ice cream. I thought, like, yep, like a little bit of, a uh, little bit of ally, <laughs> allyship there. Uh, yeah, there, that was partisan because you also were like, well, crumbly dozens a bit stupid, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They should have no. gone, gone with the bakers. Too. No, I thought it was fantastic. Well, yeah, I was saying they, though. See, I'm still playing yeah. it for its realness. True, true, true. true. Um, I didn't say you, Seren. <laughs> yeah. That would have been. Seren should have thought twice. I like the suspense here, though, because yeah. we're both still in the game. We are. Still in the game. Yeah. Uh, and, in fact, one of you is correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Amish women or the. Scott and Pete. Scott and Pete. <laughs> and the correct answer is Scott and Pete. Oh, Seren. <laughs> the Amish one was written by Brandy. Brandy. I, I, didn't, I didn't toy with it. And no. that's why it was it's selected. A, it's a really good plot. It is. It's, I, I would watch that film over yeah. the one that I picked. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, Brandy. Uh, that, Brandy Cream. <laughs> uh, just quickly before we do a score update, Brandy wrote that this film was made by a predominantly Mormon entertainment group. Uh-huh. It has strong values and was a great movie for kids to watch. That's how I saw it back in elementary school. <laughs> Though rated pretty low, I remember really enjoying it as a child. Oh, that's so sweet. That's funny because, you know, like the critics will always, they'll tear shreds off a lot of kids' movies and kids are like, I liked it. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder who's it for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right, let's go. Kids aren't thinking about three-act structure. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Here are the scores. Mm -hmm. It ended up tightening right up at the end. On five points, still coming last, was The House. In second place on six points, it was David. But out in front on seven points, Saran. We did it. Your first ever victory. What, yeah. what a storming finish, Saran. And to beat one of the, you know, the only guys to get a point every round. Yeah. That's right, all the way up one to the, the last round. the last one. one when the, you know, strongest the players ever. Tripled. Yeah, suddenly I just, I, I had the yips. You know what this reminds me of? This this reminds me of the time that I uh, was on Celebrity Letters of Numbers. <laughs> and uh, Mary, it was very reminiscent of when Merrick was out way ahead. And then whatever that, what's that last one called? The uh, conundrum? conundrum. You yeah. ruled me right yeah, in. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for the internationalists, as David also uh is one of the hosts on Letters and Numbers, which is our version of the English countdown. countdown. Yeah. Eight yeah. out of ten cats. That's right. And Seren was a contestant and a very fine one too. Yeah, is that episode aired? 
People that was the very first, on, very first yeah. episode. So people can find yeah. it on SBS on demand, probably. They could. Say. If you go on YouTube, you can find it. Yeah. Which I don't know if it's meant to be there. <laughs> but the comments are very enjoyable. Okay. Because <laughs> you get the 8 out of 10 Cats fans who are comedy fans. And then you get the countdown fans. And who, neither of them are happy. No. Yeah. That's right. We've you really split the middle. You can't please all camps. In fact, it doesn't you? seem like you can please any no. uh, So where can people find you, Saren? Uh, this will be coming out after the festival. Okay, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, Seren Comedy on Instagram is where I'm most active. You get heading up to the Sydney Comedy Festival? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll be at Sydney Comedy Festival at the Factory Theatre March 4th, 5th and 7th. Awesome. Check them out. And, David, you're on the radio Monday yeah. to Thursday Monday in to Melbourne Thursday. and sometimes yeah. Tasmania? Sometimes Tassie, sometimes WA, but you can catch up on the show on the evening show on ABC Melbourne Victoria through the ABC Listen app or just through the ABC Melbourne radio website. And are you, are you still doing the crosswords? Yeah. Don't attempt? I'm the DA on the Friday crossword in The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. And I was yeah. reading you've got some celebrity admirers of your crosswords. A, a lot of musicians, funnily enough. Yeah. I think there is a real correlation between uh, musician, songwriting and I guess the uh, s- concision of a cryptic clue, which in a way is like a tight lyric, and often there's a subtext, which a good song has, and the whole pattern recognition of letters is very similar to recognising the um, array of a, of a sweet melody. So I think musicians, I've got a lot of musicians who kind of dig my yeah, stuff, which is fun. Yeah. Have, you, have you ever been listening to songs and been like, that's one of my clues? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do really love uh, weaving in. I, I I think Sarah Blasco actually. I put uh, her surname in because if you look at the even letters of Blasco, which are L, S, and O, there's no word that from the dictionary that fits that. Oh, there's a, a plasticine character from the '60s called Plasmo that no one oh, remembers. Plasmo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then there's Glosso, which is Latin for tongue, and that wasn't going to win any hearts. Then I thought, well, Blasco fits. So I put Blasco in as the answer because it was a very tight corner and it had to fit that pattern. And I was bumped into um, Darren Hanlon, who's a crossword fan and a musician, and Darren said to me, oh, you'll never believe this. But when Sarah saw that in the crossword, she said, to hell with opening the Commonwealth Games, (laughs) to hell with three ARIA awards. This is my career highlight right here. Yeah. My career highlight was this podcast, but (laughs) each to their own. And and if people want to find those crosswords, it's in the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age on Fridays. On Fridays, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Oh, so good. So great to have you both in. Uh, We're doing this show live, when I say we, I mean me, at Brisbane at the Brisbane Comedy Festival on the 14th of May and you can get tickets now. Thanks so much for joining us and thanks everyone for tuning in to Who Knew It with Matt Stewart. Now that you know it, I've been Matt Stewart. Goodbye. Did you send one through? Yeah. Well, I hope I sent it to you. I sent it to a guy called Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it might have been the wrong Matt. <laughs> just, just want you to know, Matt, uh, Matt Stone from uh, South Park, that a backpack in in view meant. Oh, you got Matt Stone's number. <laughs> I was trying to think of a Matt that Dave would know, and I don't know why. Matt yeah, Matt Cleary's listening. Sorry, yeah. mate, I didn't mean to send you that uh, that cotton wrap. Shervo, do you know Shervo? <laughs> <laughs>
I think about this all the time with the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, because the I think the two original guys they picked Jizza and Rizza. Yeah, <laughs> and then after that, there's like Ghostface Killer and yes, all right. these great names. Yeah, that's true. And would be, oh, can I get another go? <laughs> I'm also thinking. You reckon there was a steering committee? You know, when the new member said, "Look, I've got a couple of options." Yeah, surely there's show yeah. of hands. I thought we were all just going to put ZA at the end of our first initial. <laughs> oh, that's what I thought we'd agree. Yeah. 